Yeah, so hey, get your Bible and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And um, I may get there and I may not. So I'm going to, I'm not, I promise I will not shortchange you in that I, it's whatever God wants to do. So um, uh, you may get things that the other service didn't get, but I'm just, just trying to, to, to feel my way through this. So I don't have a plan at all. It should be wonderful. First uh, Kings chapter 19, we've been in a series of messages where we've been talking, it's called mind control. And we've been talking about really issues of the mind, mental health concerns and issues. And, and I would love for you, my, my encouragement would be, uh, this is the third message in that, but uh, the first message is called the devil in your head. The second message is called the, called the anxiety antidote. Um, today, I want to talk about the depression deception, the depression deception. And so um, I want to jump straight to um, 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, depression is something that I, it's near and dear to my heart, and I'm going to share my story, I think, at the end this time. So I'm going to give you some information and then uh, walk us through this and then share some of my own story with you. Um, because I, I want to come at this from a context of me too and not you should. I think sometimes we're a little bit too quick in the church to, to just should all over people and just, you should, you should, you should, you know, you should just pray more. You know, if you have depression, you just pray more or, or you should, you should just, you know, thank God more. And, and I, I think we should pray more. And I think we should, you know, praise more and be thankful or whatever the case may be. But I think sometimes it's more powerful when someone's hurting and in pain, if you can stop and connect with them and say, hey, me too, instead of you should. Um, or, you know, sometimes we just need to, you know, sometimes people just need you to, to sit with them. And, and I think sometimes the way to love people well is not to give them a solution, but to kind of climb down in their pit and say, tell me about it. It seems dark in here. This seems hard. This seems difficult. And so I want to I want to share some of that about I think 17, 18 million people have severe diagnosed severe with severe depression. Two million people under the age of 17 diagnosed with severe um, depression. Um, 66 percent of all suicides are the result of depression Uh, in the United States. uh, There are three suicides for every two homicides. Um, And so there are more people actually dying by harming or taking their own life than are, are being killed by other people. And so it's, it's staggering when you look at all the statistics. But I just want to point to the fact that God has the answer and that it always starts with Jesus and that we have to listen. I believe, and you'll hear me, hear me say this, I am not against medication. I'm, I have a great counselor. I've, I've had a, a counselor um, for, for years and um, I have a great counselor. And, uh, and I believe in that. Um, there was a time, and I'll tell this at the end, that I uh, was considering getting on antidepressants. And so I'm not against those. Sometimes you got to get leveled out in order to figure out how to move forward. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I, you know, I, my challenge to you, though, is that, that Jesus Christ, that, you know, the Bible says, and I've said this before, but such a great point, the Lamb of God crucified before the foundation of the world that's Jesus. And so if you think about it, before there was sin, before there was sickness, before there was disease, before there was mental issues and illnesses, God had a solution before there was a problem. 
and he is still the God of the solution. And if I can tell you anything and you hear anything from me, I want you to understand that depression does not have to be a lifetime sentence. It, may can, it can just be a temporary symptom. Like God can do a work. Are you with me? And I'll tell you my story at the end, but I, I struggle with pretty severe depression at one point in my life, and I'll explain all that in the end, but that's where I want to end. So I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to talk about a man in the Bible named uh, Elijah. And um, um, if you think depression's new, because I think one of the things is it's like nobody else dealt with this. This is not in the Bible. Like I was talking to someone the other day, and you know, nowadays, um, people struggle in a way that they harm themselves, like cutting. You've probably heard of this. There are probably people in the room that you've done that. Um, a lot of times what that is, is, is you get so numb, you want to feel something. Um, and, and so you actually will cut yourself because you're trying to, your body wants to feel, your life wants to feel. Um, a lot of times it's, it's hid. But that's in the Bible. It's, it, there was a man in, uh, who was in the tombs in Gadarene who hung out in the tombs and cut himself. It's in the Bible. So my point is, so many times we think we're dealing with new things when they've been around a long, long time. They're in the Bible. When we're talking about depression, it's been around a long time. King David, if you've ever read the Psalms, he probably would have been diagnosed bipolar because he can be up, 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 and then down, down, down. You know, Psalm 42, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Why am I so disturbed on the inside? That's David's words. Then there are people like Jonah, who was a prophet of God and, and wanted to die prayed to die. You know, God, just take my life. Job went through some very difficult things and actually said, I wish I just died when I was, when I was born, the day I was born. Why couldn't I have just been a stillborn baby, essentially? I mean, so there, there, is, there is deep, dark depression through some of the most powerful people in the Bible. And one of those I want to talk about in 1 Kings 19, Elijah. That's right. Elijah, powerful Elijah, like outran a chariot, like when you call an Uber and outrun it, that's Elijah right there, right? Um, I mean, Elijah, I mean, we technically, I mean, Uber Eats or <laughs> waiter, I was kind of invented for Elijah because he's hanging out in a cave and ravens come and drop like, like Amazon drones come and drop food, you know, <laughs> like Subway today and Chick-fil-A tomorrow and it probably wasn't that good. But, you know, they brought food is the point. I mean, this is a man who has a powerful relationship with God, raised a widow's son from the dead. Like this man is, is powerful close to God, knows God. And at the same time, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we read where he says, God, I really just want to die. It's crazy, but it's in the Bible. Now, to understand 1 Kings chapter 19, you have to understand 1 Kings chapter 18, because one of the coolest things that Elijah did was Elijah had a showdown with the false prophets of Baal and Asherah. And Israel had been infected, might be a better way, word than influence. They'd been infected by idolatry. And they, they were kind of, some of them served the Lord, some of them served Baal, and some of them tried to serve both. And so God sends Elijah. By the way, this is on the heels of Elijah saying, it's just not going to rain. Right. And it stopped raining for like seven years. And then God said, okay, it's, it's time to rain, but first we've got to have a showdown, right? How many know sometimes before you can have revival, you've got to deal with an idol? Amen. That is a great word. <laughs> I told you you would get things I didn't say in the other service because God loves you. 
Um, anyways, but sometimes before you can see God move in your life, you got to get rid of idols. Sometimes before you, this is a word for somebody because this is out of nowhere. It's certainly not in my notes, nor have I ever said it before like this. But I'm just saying, some of you are asked, there's some people you're asking God to move, but something's in the way. And you're going to have to tear down some idols. You're going to have to tear down some priorities, some things that you put first, and then God's going to move. And so before God could send rain, they had to deal with idols. So they end up on the top of Mount Carmel. And so there's the prophets of Baal and Asher, 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Asher. All the people are gathered around. And Elijah said, let's play a game called uh, playing with fire. And, um, <laughs> and he said, y'all put a sacrifice on your altar. I'll build an altar, put a sacrifice on my altar. Um, I mean, this could be a reality show, game show today. I mean, I, I don't know which one, but it'd be fun. Anyways, um, it's just weird the way my brain sees things. <laughs> Just pray for me. Um, anyways, and so he says, here's what we're going to do. Put sacrifice on the altar. We're going to pray to our God. Whichever God answers by fire, that's the real God. Y'all go first. Yeah. And so they start crying out to God, cutting themselves, harming themselves. And what I love about Elijah is usually, I don't know about y'all, growing up, usually if I was going to talk trash, and by the way, I am one of the best trash talkers like, just thank God I'm saved because I can talk some trash. You can ask my kids when it comes to playing games, I will cheat to win and I will talk trash the whole time. And if you win, I really just don't want to talk at all. And uh, <laughs> you can ask them. And uh, so anyways, I, love, I just love trash talk. I just, anybody else? I mean, just, it's probably my flesh. Just pray for me. God can deliver me. But I just love talking some trash sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, bottom line is Elijah, usually when you're talking trash to an opposing team, especially when there's 850 of them, you don't do that by yourself. But he totally did. Like, like they're over there dancing around, praying, whatever. And he's over here like, hey, Maybe your God's on vacation. <laughs> Went to see Disneyland. Probably on the Dumbo ride. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite trash talking moments, though, is I mean, then he goes through, maybe he's asleep, but this is the best one, and it's in your Bible. But he says, Maybe your God's using the bathroom. Maybe he's just indisposed, got some IBS issues. And just like your uncle at Thanksgiving after the meal is over who disappears, and you know once he disappears, the bathroom's going to be off limits and toxic for the next three hours. He's basically saying, that's your God. He has stepped out because he's got some issues. So finally, he calls it quits. They, he lets them go most of the day, and then he prays, and God answers by fire. And, and before that, you know the story. If you don't know the story, he took the sacrifice in the altar, and he poured a bunch of water over it. Um, I don't have time to talk about this, but they were in a drought. So how priceless was the water? Second thing is, they're on a mountain. Where did they get the water? He got it from the people. Because sometimes you got to pour out what you have so God can pour out what he wants to pour out. Okay, anyways, pour out. That's a good point, too. Anyways, <laughs> I'm having fun. Anyways, um, 
And so, so he pours, soaks everything in water. God answers by fire. And then he goes total John Wick on him. No guns, just a sword. And this man kills 850 false prophets in one sitting. And I'm using my imagination because I'm thinking, how many of them took off running? Because I think when that, you know, when Elijah shows up, the first, you know, like, I'm gone. I'll let you, boy, I'm out of here. But somehow in this evening, he kills 850 false prophets with the sword. And then we get to 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, 1 Kings chapter 19. And it says this, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how she had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I don't take your life like one of them. And then Elijah was afraid and he pulled a sweet brown because it says he ran for his life. If you remember Sweet Brown, she's the one that got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. That was her. I didn't get no shoes or nothing. Neither did Elijah. He's like, I'm out. When they came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and he came to a broom bush and sat down under it and he prayed that he would die. This man, think about this. This man just did one of the greatest things we're ever going to know of from the Bible. Like he, he confronted a nation, actually two nations, kind of. Think about it. And, and he rid one nation of all their prophets. And now he's running and praying that he would die. I think it might be good to say here that sometimes in life we need to understand that there are going to be highs and lows. That with the rhythm of life, highs and lows, and if you're in a low, it doesn't have to be the end. And if you're, if you're up high, just know that you're probably not going to get to stay there because of the world in which we live. But life is full of rhythms and highs and lows. But, but I mean, this like from a high to a low, and he tells the Lord, I've had enough. Is any, I feel like some people probably felt that. God, I've had enough. Lord Jesus. And he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And then an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. That's some good protein bread right there. Like talk about carb load and I think there's some protein in it. And um, yeah, 40 days and you know, I mean, probably has some peanut butter, but um, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God, and there he went into the cave and, and spent the night. So I want to talk about the depression deception for just a few moments. I want to take some things out of this and show you how the Bible actually responds and can tell you a lot of very practical. I've tried to make this message as practical, and then I want to share just a little bit of my story, and then I want to pray for you. So that's our agenda in the next few moments. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come now and speak. God, you, you have words of life. And God, light. And God, that, that's really what I pray right now is God, people need life and light. Life and light. So God, as we sit and we hear your word, God, will you bring those things? Because if people are struggling with depression, God, they need light and they need life. In Jesus' name. The depression deception. I, I think when it comes to depression, it is, it is a deception. Again, Please hear me, and I'll share this at the end. I know because I've experienced it. Um, it, it, it. It is a deception in that depression affects how you see. Yeah. 
Um, guys, would y'all do that again? Turn the lights out. Now, they're not going to be able to get it pitch black in here because we have emergency exit signs and some other lights. But what depression does is it takes away our ability to see. Let me say it another way. It, it, it causes us to not be able to see correctly. And if you think about Elijah, he, he had just seen a great miracle. He had seen God give him victory. He had, he had actually seen, I mean, he was there, but I mean, he destroyed all the prophets of Baal and, and he saw the fire come from heaven. But now all he can see is his imminent doom. He just killed 850 men. Now one woman threatens to kill him. And all he can see is my best days are behind me. There is nothing else left for me. I am all alone. And that's the thing. When it gets completely dark like that, it's not that people aren't there. It's just you don't see them. It's not that purpose isn't there. It's just you can't see it. It's not that hope isn't there. It's just you're not able to see it anymore. And that's why I think depression is a deception. In fact, write this down. This is point number one, point number one in the dark, ladies and gentlemen, but it is this. It isn't how it looks. This is the depression deception. I can tell you from experience, depression makes it look dark. Depression makes it look like the end. Depression makes it look like there is no hope. There is no purpose and things could never get better. But what I need you to know is that feelings don't tell you the truth about reality. They tell you the truth about how you feel. So just because it feels real doesn't mean it is real. Are you with me? It may look dark, but that doesn't mean it is dark. It may feel dark, but that doesn't mean it is. It's just your feelings telling you about what's going on with you. And you need to understand that just because you can't see people doesn't mean they're not there. And just because you may not be able to feel God doesn't mean he's not there. And just because you don't believe your best days are ahead doesn't mean that your best days are behind. It isn't how it feels. Okay, you turn the lights back on. Like the first thing we need to understand is it's not how it feels. I know it feels that way. I know it looks that way. But you need to understand that when you're dealing with depression, it means that there's a problem with the system that moves you back up towards homeostasis. Are you with me? So depressed means I'm pushed down, right? To push down. So normally we have a bad day and our system kicks in to move us back to homeostasis. When I'm dealing with depression, most of the time, it means that my, um, my system is, is not pushing me back up when I get pushed down. And that can be, let's run through it just like anxiety, that can be something with your body, that can be something with your soul, or that can be something with your spirit, right? David said, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. He's, he's depressed. Why? Something's going on with his mind and his will and his emotions. Your emotions can tell you you're depressed. And that means that's what you are. It doesn't mean that's how you have to stay. Are you with me? Yes. And then, and then your, your bodies, your brain, what we know from science is that there are these, all, I mean, there's all these neurons and things going on in your brain. I'm not going to try to talk about it. I don't have time. But there's gaps between these nerves in your brain and, and they're called synapse. And you have to have transmitters for signals to cross those gaps. 
And if your body gets depleted of oxytocin, serotonin, and other neurotransmitters, it means there's a deficiency, so your brain is not able to function as it should, thus your system stays down. Are are you with me? So it could be a physical issue. It could be like David. It could be an issue of your soul, and it could be a spiritual issue. He said, they've given you the garment of praise for the spirit of... Sometimes we're depressed because there's a devil, right? The reason I want you to understand this is because you got to start figuring out where your depression is coming from. Is it my body? Is it my soul? Is it it the way that I'm thinking because some things happen? Is it my body? It could be affected by diet. It, It could be affected by another health issue that's causing this to happen as well. But I want you to understand depression is not a disease. It's a symptom. Anxiety is a symptom. It means something else isn't working or something else is going wrong. That's why over 80% of people who take treatment for depression experience changes for the better because it can be treated because when we start treating what's actually wrong, right, then we can get better. So there is hope. It isn't how it feels, right? It's how it feels, but that means it doesn't mean it's not real. My feelings tell me the truth about how I feel. They don't tell me the truth about what is real. And so I need to understand that it isn't what it looks like. I understand how it looks. I've been there, but it isn't what it looks like. And you have to grab hold of this to say, it's kind of like, uh, you know, um, I remember one time, funny story, <laughs> stupid story, um, I was putting shock in the swimming pool. Have y'all ever had the joy of taking care of a swimming pool? (sighs) Bless it. I don't have time to tell this story, but the bottom line was I went to rip it open the thing of shock and one of the granules of shock went right into my eye. Yeah, I felt this was the end. This is how we all die right here. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know an eye could feel that way. I'm running around like Elf after he sprayed himself with the fruit spray. Ah, you know, and I don't know whether to jump in the pool. I don't know. So I grab the water hose and I'm spraying myself in the eye because I remember chemistry class, right, from high school and college where we had the eye washers. I'm like, got to spray water in the eye. So now I'm in the backyard. Ah, you know, (laughs) here was the thing. For several days, things didn't look the same. But it wasn't that they weren't the same. It was my eye wasn't working right. It wasn't what it looked like. Are you with me? Hold on to that because the deception is this is what it is. No, 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 no. It's not what it looks like. If you're in a depressed state, it doesn't look right because your body's not working right. Are you with me? So it isn't isn't what it looks like. Here's the second thing. You are not alone. You are not alone. The the first thing that you feel is when you're going through depression, um, honestly, is that you're alone, right? Elijah here makes the mistake because he actually says he leaves his servant behind and goes into the wilderness. You cannot do that. Isolation always increases pain because God created you for connection. God created you to not do life alone. He made you a part of a body, not a body part. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. 
And so when you read Ephesians 4, it tells you that, that we are made strong by what every joint supplies and that when we're joined together, we actually benefit from each other. We receive and give to each other and we are made healthy. That's all in Ephesians 4. First Peter says that we steward God's grace to one another in various forms, meaning that we receive grace from each other. And so you need to understand the lie of depression is that you're alone. The lie of depression is you can be in a crowd of people and still be alone. But let me tell you what the issue is. The issue isn't isolation, it's connection. And you can isolate around a group of people. You have to choose connection instead of choosing to stay isolated or separate, right? So being alone and being lonely are different things, and you can be lonely in a crowd, and if you're lonely in a crowd, it's not because you're alone, it's because you're disconnected. Remember Ephesians 4, we're made strong by what every joint supplies. Now, you need to be careful, obviously, um, with who your safe people are. I know I had a situation, the first person, when I struggled, um, when I had depression, I told someone that I thought was on my team that was close to me, and immediately they really ridiculed me and shamed me, saying, you know, if you're really a pastor and trusted God and had faith, you wouldn't deal with this. So obviously that just forced me into some isolation, and it made it, it, made it worse, obviously. And so what, one of the things that brought me out of that was I was in a group of people at the time, a leadership group, and I didn't go to church with them. And, and they were out of this town and out of this city. It was a part of the program I was with. And my counselor said, why don't you tell them, you know, it's probably, it may be safe. And when I told them, they all gathered around. And I mean, some of the very successful people, business people, um, and they, and they just, all they, they just loved me. And they would call and they'd text and they'd check them. How are you doing today? How are you doing today? And when you get in the morning, will you text me? Hey, how are you doing today? Hey, I just thought, was thinking about you. And all of a sudden, I think, I think the enemy, one of the things, and I said this, I think in one of the other messages, but I don't remember which service, but I think when we're dealing with issues of mental illness, he loves to keep us cloaked in shame because if we're cloaked in shame, we stay isolated and isolation increases the pain. And the first thing we as Christians have to do is say, it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. Now, we don't want to stay that way, but that's okay. it's okay to not be okay. And for me, I had to say, it's okay. I'm not okay. Like, I am not okay. But, but don't believe the lie that you're alone because, because you're not. There are people around you. And, and the first thing, really, that God tells uh, Eli- Elijah is, go get your servant and go to the mountain and, and so essentially, here's what he's saying. Connect with people and connect with me. Because at the mountain, he's going to hear God whisper. Yeah. Like God comes in the wind and the fire, but God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. And then came this whisper, like a still small. And I, by the way, I love the grace of God because it was a whisper. And if it's a whisper, that means you have to get really close to be heard. And I think it just speaks to the love of God that, Elijah, I know you're struggling with depression and you want to die. So I'm going to get real close. Because I'm always near the brokenhearted. I'm close to those who are crushed in spirit. And you need to understand that I think sometimes we feel shame. Sometimes we can even feel like we failed God because we're struggling with things. And you need to understand, don't let the enemy cause you to isolate from people. Don't let the enemy cause you to isolate from God for feeling condemned or guilty because you don't have your stuff together. Look, I'm a pastor. I don't have my stuff together. In fact, without Jesus, all my stuff would fall apart. You know what I'm saying? Um, but God loves you where you're at on the way to where you're going. And you, it's not a qualification that you got to be perfect to have a relationship with God. That's why he sent Jesus 
to perfect you so he could have a relationship with you that didn't depend on you. Right? That's the grace of Jesus. And so don't believe the lie that you're all alone. And here's why you need people. Because when you're dealing, most of the time, mental issues, uh, mental health issues are pain avoided issues. Meaning we've had trauma and pains and things have happened. And we're trying to avoid the pain and dealing with that. Or, we believe, or we're in one of those families where you're just supposed to get over everything. Just get over it. Just get over it. Well, I'd like to get over it. But I, you know what? I, I, I'm not over it. Listen, you don't get over it. You either get healed from it or it comes back to get you, but you don't get over it. And I'm all for coping to a degree, but not staying there. I think sometimes you got to find a way to function, but, but God didn't call you to live in a place of coping. He called you to live in a place of healing. And so I would just say this, don't pack it, process it. When it comes to the issue of our lives, like I believe in counselors. I'm not opposed to medications um, I think they should be used obviously responsibly, but I'm not up here like, you know, just praise your way through it. I do believe praise helps. Absolutely. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, pr- sometimes we have to process some things. Are you with me? Sometimes, sometimes we've stuffed and stuffed and stuffed and stuffed and stuffed and stuffed and stuffed. And you can only stuff a turkey so much till something blows up. You understand what I'm saying? Like you can only stuff so much stuff until it starts coming out. I remember my counselor said, Marty, the way out is the way in. Like you can only stuff so much. I remember one of the things I had to learn to do was grieve um, because I was about to bury a friend. And I remember talking to my counselor and she said, so when do you actually grieve all the friends that you bury? Because when you're, when you're in charge of taking care of the family and doing the funeral, you don't get to sit and grieve. You're taking care of everybody. And I'm like, that's a great question. She's like, can you remember the last person that you grieved? I'm like, why do you have to ask hard questions? <laughs> so there, there's, you know, there's things that we have to go back and say, man, I don't think I ever dealt with that, right? I'm not talking about drumming up things from your past and blaming it on everybody else. I'm talking about pulling out some things that you stuffed and just processing it because until you sort your laundry, you can't put it away, Right? So sometimes you need, don't, don't, don't pack it, process it, all right? Here, here's, the, here's the third thing. Um, you are worthy of care. You are worthy of care. Um, I love this because look how, look how God responds to Elijah. It said he laid down under this tree, you know, he's like, God, I just want to die here. And the angel, God sends an angel and the angel said, hey, get up and eat. I love this because me and God, we got some things worked out. And one thing is, if, if you're depressed, you should eat cake. <laughs> That's why I love him. <laughs> but, but I love this because what, what God actually says is, he says, hey, let's take care of ourselves. And I think sometimes when we're, when we're going through things like this, I, here's what I would say. If you're struggling with depression, how would you take care of you? if you were the one responsible to take care of you. Meaning, if you were someone else and you were charged with that person's care, how would you take care of that person? Because a lot of times we'll take care of people, other people, better than we'll take care of ourselves. And we'll have more grace for other people than we have with ourselves. And so God's like, hey, you're depressed. Let's, there's some things we need. Let's take a nap and eat some cake. Right? Let's, I mean, take a nap, eat some cake, right? 
And, and what I would say, there's some very simple things, but if you're struggling with depression, th- think about this. Question, question, like here's some questions. What's my sleeping habits look like? I know depression interrupts sleeping habits, but am I working to try to get on the right schedule of going to bed and then getting up and then going to bed and then getting up? Or am I letting it disrupt me? Like, like you, you have to fight the disruption to say, no, I need a certain amount of sleep. Like if you're depressed, sitting up all night on TikTok is not helping. Not helping. I don't care how cute the dog is or whatever videos you're watching as TikTok creates your own little entertainment world by the algorithm, which freaks me out. Anyways, whatever you want, I don't care, but it's not helping. The other thing is, what's your diet like? I mean, are you living on, on bad food? You know what I'm saying? Like, like sometimes when we're depressed, like, and then he drank water, like how much water are you drinking? Right? So, so here's some very obvious things is like, if I'm struggling with depression, then I need to do some things that, that are just practical. Like I'm going to try to get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. If I have to take some melatonin or if I have to talk to a doctor about something else, I'm going to try to get back on a schedule of sleeping when I'm supposed to sleep. I'm going to try to sleep seven, eight hours a night. I'm going to get up in the morning and pass on the honey bun and eat some eggs. Right? I'm not going to start my day with a Dr. Pepper. I'm going to start my day with some water. Right? I mean, these are practical things. By the way, there are supplements, uh, St. John's wort, HTP5, uh, magnesium. These are different supplements that, that feed the neurotransmitters in your brain. So I'm going to go find some supplements and just take some very natural things that I can get at the health food store that's going to help my brain be healthy and function as it's supposed to function. Right? I mean, so I'm going to, so here's God. He's like, I know you're depressed. Let's do some things. Let's drink water. Let's eat food. Let's rest. Right? I mean, listen, so many times we're like, we're wanting God to fix everything when some of the things are under our control to fix. Like we need to be, we need to take care of ourselves. And let me say something about self-care. Self-care is not doing what I want. It's doing what I need. Right? I want chocolate cake. I need broccoli. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I want to stay up all night watching Netflix. I need to go to sleep. By the way, if you're having trouble, go to sleep. If you'll turn off all your screens an hour before bedtime and then read your Bible. By the way, I'm going to give you all my secret. If you can't sleep, read your Bible. Because the devil would rather you have sleep than God's word. He'll straight up leave you alone. You'll be snoring before you know it. Pro tip. You're welcome. All right, so... Here's the fourth thing is you can get up because, because depression seems to tell us this is the end and that there's nothing we can do. And the angel says, get up and eat, get up and eat. And then it says, Elijah, strengthened by the food, got up and went to Mount Orb. You, you have to understand, you have to get up. Listen, God will do what he can do when you do what you can do. Are you with me? Like, I, I, I wish that God would just rescue everybody. Um, and he wants to, but he has given you authority and power over your life. And he will do what you can't do when you do what you can do. Amen. Um, so my story, uh, 2015, 2016, I had pretty severe depression. Um, 
it, it, uh, it was at the place where it, there was a lot of, I, I was struggling to function. It was really kind of the beginning of what would be one of the hardest seasons of my life um, by far. I didn't, I had had bad days. I've never been a depressed person, as you might imagine. <laughs> like I'm always entertaining. Like you can entertain me or I'll entertain myself. It just doesn't matter, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I'm going to have fun if we're going to do anything. And so I'd never really been a depressed person. I mean, I had down days, but not, not where I went down, stayed down and, and uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't really sure um, what to do with it. And so when we're talking about depression, just so you know, there are depressed days again, there's depression. Depression means your system can't, can't regulate yourself anymore. And so for me and depression, if you've experienced it, one thing, no, it's a pain that hurts, but you can't tell where it comes from. Um, it's really, it's really weird. Like you, you feel alone, but you don't want to be alone. Um, it feels dark, but you really want light. Um, and, and, um, but I remember it was like this, I don't know if you like one of those, you know, when they take your x-rays at the dentist and they put that lead vest on you, it was something like that draped over my head and my shoulders and my back. And it just literally, I felt like I was being pushed down all the time. And I, I just remember being dark and very painful. And it started in September and I didn't really understand why. And, and then it just kind of progressed to the point where I was, I struggled really just to function. Um, I'd have to set my alarm like an hour or so before it was time to get up because I would have to, almost every morning, um, I would go through the same thing. When I woke up, I would be mad that I woke up. And by that meaning, I would be mad that I was still alive, honestly. It was like, God, you could have done me a favor and taken me home. Like, you know, Elijah got a chariot. I don't even need a chariot. A bicycle will work for me. You know, just take me to, take me to heaven, Jesus. Um, and, and then you feel guilty for feeling that way, right? Because you're like, I got kids. I got a church. That's so selfish of me. What am I thinking? And then you had to talk yourself into to getting up for the day. And then when you're, <laughs> this is not so much your burden, but you can imagine when you're the senior pastor and you have to create life-giving messages while you feel like you're dying, it's an interesting paradox. And, you know, you're not here to take care of me. I'm here to take care of you. So it's like, not like I can turn you on to my support group. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and then I didn't know who to talk to. It, it was just, it was bad. And it lasted till about February. Um, and then it kind of lifted and I was like, praise God. Cause I was like, thank the Lord. And it's like, all of a sudden it's less cloudy and I'm like, oh, okay. And, uh, then the next September, about the, the third or fourth week of September, it hit again. And when it came back, it was worse. And I remember thinking, I, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I, I can't live this way. Like I just, I can't do it. And I remember thinking like, I've probably got like life expectancy of another 50 years and I can't do this for 50 years. I can't do this for five more days. Luckily for me, I, I had, again, I'm not, I, I believe in counselors, all those things. So luckily I had a great counselor. And so I was talking with her about it and I said, I don't know what to do. And so we talked, we went down the road of, should we get on an antidepressant? And at that point, I honestly was like, yeah, I, I, I think I, I got to have something. I got to be a dad. I got to be able to function. I got I to I gotta pastor. Like I'm, I am a mess, you know? And I just got to have something. And so I remember the Holy Spirit said, why don't you pray, ask me about that? So I told her, I said, let me, let me pray about it and I'll, I'll get back to you. And so when I prayed, I'm not against antidepressants if they're taken responsibly and prescribed correctly and, and all that. I also don't think that's always the first thing you should run to, but you know, you have to figure that out for you. So I'm not against that at all. 
Um, and I don't think you should feel shame. I don't feel shame for taking ibuprofen when I have a headache. You understand? Uh, when I had knee surgery, I felt no shame in taking hydrocodone. I felt no shame. It was, it was wonderful. You know, I just floated around with the unicorns and the sugar plum fairies. And because uh, it, it, I react so strongly to pain medication, y'all, it's trippy. This is why I never could be a druggie because I don't like being out of control. And I was like, oh, and like, they, they emailed me asking me for my sermon notes because I'm an idiot. And I decided I have a knee surgery on Tuesday and still preach the weekend. And I remember I responded something like the sugar from sugar plum fairy stole my outline. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Anyways, um, the point is I'm not against that. But when I, when I came to it, um, to this moment, I, I prayed. And I asked the Lord, I'm like, God, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm doing the stuff, Lord, you know me, but I can't function. And the Holy Spirit said, I don't want you to take the medication. And he said, because if you numb it, you'll never heal from it. And, um, and I just thought, oh, okay. And so I told my counselor, I said, I said I, I'm not going to be able to take it right now because I feel like it's what the Holy Spirit is saying. And she said, okay, we got to go to work on it. And I remember, thank God, this is why you need people, because when you're in the dark, sometimes you need somebody that's in the light. And I never get, we were talking and my counselor said, hey, wasn't it about this time last year when you dealt with this? About the end of September? I was like, yes, that must be why I pay you so much money. Um, (laughs) And so I was like, yeah, yeah, it actually was. And she said, what happens around this time of year? And I was like, and all of a sudden I hear Jeopardy, you know, do, 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 do. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'm going through like, you know, different things in my life. And, da, da, da. and I finally come to this, my birthday. My birthday. My birthday is in October. And this would start approaching my birthday. My birthday is October 4th. Um, and, and so I was like, it's my birthday. And so she's like, I wonder, wonder why that's the deal. Well, there were two things. Remember when I said your depression would be caused by phys- physical issues, your body, soul issues, your mind, or spiritual issues. Mine was actually, mine was actually the soul and, and spirit issues. At the time, um, I had uh, someone in my life who was um, convinced, or, try, or whether they meant to or not, constantly convinced me I was unworthy of anything. And so it was, it was always, I'm not worthy of blessing. I'm, you know, there's just, I'm, I'm inherently bad or wrong or whatever. The case. It was always just something. And uh, I don't think that's what they meant to do, but that's just the nature of how it worked. And I'd begin to believe that, that, you know, things like if you knew who I was and you knew how messed up I was or you knew how bad I was, you wouldn't think I was a good person. And, you know, and, and I'm not really worthy of love or care or, you know, I'm just, I'm just not worthy. And, and I'd, I had taken that in and become a way that I was thinking. So when you approach a birthday where people are supposed to celebrate you and you don't think you're worthy of celebration, it creates anxiety and depression. And so that's what would happen. And so then then the great thing was once we identified it, we could do a little processing and unpacking and sorting laundry and the Holy Spirit could work. And I mean, in, in just a few, I mean, literally... In just a, a moment, almost it felt like, but in just a little bit of time, you know, God started speaking. Um, in fact, I love this scripture. I want to give you this scripture because this was uh, one of those moments. But Colossians 1.12 says this, and if they can find it. Guys, it's back under point three if you're looking for it. But Colossians 1.12 says, Your hearts can soar 
with joyful gratitude. Now think about depression and, and heart soaring and joyful gratitude, right? So how do our hearts soar with joyful gratitude? Because you think, think, it's your mind, of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us. Your hearts will soar. And this became my life verse. My heart's going to soar. Why? Because I'm going to think about how he made me worthy. My heart's going to soar because I'm going to think about how he loves me and he says that I'm worthy to receive everything that he has. It's freely given by his grace. My heart's going to soar because I don't have to be worthy in myself. He made me worthy in Christ. And it doesn't depend on me. Like if God's made me worthy, why should I argue with him? Like if God says you're beautiful and you're wonderful and you're lovely and you're worthy, stop arguing with him. And so God just did this. And God, I mean, it broke. I haven't had depression since. Like I I haven't had one of those things since. Like it's it's amazing what, what God really can, what God really can do. You know, the other side of it, there was a spiritual issue I, I, I encountered or was dealing with, I didn't know at the time, but a Jezebel spirit. We read about Jezebel. She's a, a queen in the Bible, but it, there's a spirit that runs throughout the Bible. It's named in other places, even in the book of Revelation. And, and so there was a spiritual attack too. Um, and, and so, but I'm just saying, God delivered me. He said, hey, think about how I've made you worthy. And then God actually gives you praise for the spirit of heaviness. Like God is the solution. Let me explain something. He says he gives you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, but he will not make you put it on. He offers you an avenue to deliverance, but he won't do it for you. And people say, well, I can't praise. I just don't feel like it. Well, if you only do what you feel, you're a hypocrite anyway, because we walk by faith, not by feeling. So I want you to stand with me. And I want to pray um, for us as we, as we get out of here today. But I really felt, I want to pray against the spirit of suicide. And there, I think there is a spirit of suicide. And I want to pray against that, that today. Um, I believe that because I've encountered it in other, with other people. That's how you know. Um, I haven't necessarily, I mean, I, so you, you got to understand, suicide, there's suicidal ideation, there's being suicidal, and then there's a spirit of suicide, okay? And the difference is suicidal ideation is just thoughts of, I, I would like my life to end. You know, it's, it's not that you're going to go heart, hurt yourself. Suicidal, you know, when you become suicidal, that's when there is a real danger of you hurting yourself or you've tried to hurt yourself. And then there's a spirit of suicide, which is, is essentially demonic in nature where the enemy is trying to take your life at your own hands, okay? And, and so those are not all the same, but they're all real. And, you, and we could argue later if you want to argue with me. You know, it's, I always say a man with a theory uh, or a man with experience is not at the mercy with a man with a theory. So, um, so that's why I can just say I've dealt with those things, helping other people. Um, so I just want to pray over that today. And, uh, but I want to pray too for you right now that the Holy Spirit would speak to you if you're dealing with depression or suicide, suicidal ideation or thoughts or whatever. 
I want to pray the Holy Spirit would start today showing you maybe where to look, where it is, like where it's coming from. And we're going to ask a very simple question. I'm going to walk you through something, but we're going to ask a very simple question. I am, and, and we do this. If you've been to freedom, you understand how this works. If not, just play along and it'll change your life. But I may just ask the Lord some questions and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And God will give you a picture. And he does it almost every time. He's because he's good and God, you got to understand God wants you to be well more than you want to be well. And the promise of God is a sound mind, not a sick mind. And so God wants to help you. And so I'm just going to pray and we're going to try. I just want to try. I thought, what's the best way I could end? And the best way I know to end is try to help you figure out where it's coming from. Then, you know, like I can talk to a pastor. I can talk to a counselor. I can talk to a friend. Like I can get help if I kind of know what's going on. And, and then maybe God will do something in the moment that completely delivers you, and he can do that too, and we've seen that. Um, so will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for your goodness and grace, God, for your mercy and love. And um, God, today, Holy Spirit, we just need your help because there are probably people in this room, God, who, who are suffering today and maybe even suffering in silence. And God, I, just, I know that's not your heart. It's not what you want. God, you're the God of power and deliverance and love and a sound mind. And God, that's what we need. And so Holy Spirit, we just pray you would come and minister in this moment. And so right now with your heads bowed, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit a question. And then I want you just to be sensitive to the answer. And here's how the answer will come. It may be something you feel like you hear. But it also may be a picture. It may be a memory. It may be a word. You know, you may see something, in other words, in your mind. But God speaks in all those ways. So don't limit how he speaks because he can speak in so many ways because he's just bringing you into reality and truth. So he does that through a lot of different ways. So it could be a feeling, but it could be a word you see. But I'm just going to ask a question like I'm you, and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd speak to every person that needs to hear your voice in this way today. And Holy Spirit, this is the question I have to ask. The question I have to ask is, Lord, the depression I feel, can you show me where it's tied to or where it came into my life? Show me an event. Show me something that happened. Show me, show me if it's physical or psychological or, or spiritual. But God, show me where it comes from. And just go with your first instinct. If you see a picture, if you see a word, if you have a memory, just hold on to that. That was probably the Lord. And if it was the Lord, it's certainly not going to hurt because we're not doing anything that hurts anybody today. But I, right now, if you have a memory and you see it tied to an event or something like that or something that happened, a trauma or something, um, I want to ask one more question. And that is just this, Holy Spirit, what did I believe when that event happened? What did I believe when that event happened? And again, go with your first instinct. I believed I was unworthy. I was unlovable. I, I believed whatever it is, just go with it. Say, okay, God, that's it. And then if God spoke to you about that and you're like, man, I believe this, more than likely what the Holy Spirit pointed out is you believe something that was wrong or you could say alive the enemy in that moment because that's what he does. He comes in bad traumatic places and gives us lives to bind us. And so here's what we do with that. You can do this yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, 
I break that lie. I, I, I repent of it. I'm sorry I believed it. I break it. I send it back to hell. I mean, you just put your own words with it. But like, Lord, I no longer agree with that lie. I no longer agree with that. And then this is the fun part. If that's you, you just say, Holy Spirit, what is the truth you want me to have in place of that lie? What is the truth you want me to have in place of that lie? And right now, accept it. Maybe it's you're chosen, you're loved, you're beautiful, whatever it is. Take that as your truth and say, okay, I receive that. That's what I'm going to believe from now on. And God, I pray as, 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 as we're concluding our time, God, that you would reveal to people, God, where, if they're struggling, God, where it's coming from. God, I pray if nothing else that today they would hear the message that you can't do it alone and they would reach out for help to a friend, um, to a life group leader, to a pastor, whoever, but they would find some safe people and say, hey, I've got to have some support. I've got to have some help. And God, today, if you've broken a line, given them a truth, God, I pray they would hang on to that truth with all of their might. God, today, I pray if, if, if they're in here and they, maybe they've already been diagnosed, but they're dealing with depression and it truly is a biological thing. It's a physical thing. God, I thank you that you bore stripes for our healing. And God, I speak to their minds, their brains to be healed. God, I speak to their bodies to be whole. God, that they would function as they're supposed to function, God, that you would heal them. Send your word and heal them. Deliver them from their destruction in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray today against the spirit of suicide, God, that has come against people. Lord, I pray it would be revealed in this moment. And God, in the name of Jesus, God, we bind that spirit and command him to leave in Jesus' name and speak freedom, God, to the oppressed by the authority of the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that we have victory in your name, deliverance in your name, salvation in your name, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more praise? God is so good. Um, if you're on prayer team, I want you to come and then we want to pray with you today. If you need a relationship with Jesus, meaning right now, if you're being honest, you know you're not right with God, you need a relationship with Jesus, we want to pray with you. Uh, if you need prayer, further ministry about anything we talked about, or you just want prayer for anything, we are here to pray with you. We love you so much. Everybody else will say a big God bless you. We will have prayer on Monday, but not on Thursday and not on Saturday because of Thanksgiving. So don't eat too much, but enjoy what you eat. God bless you. We love you. If you need prayer, we'd be glad to do that. Otherwise, have a great day and go Cowboys.